This is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking with Richard Perry of Turnkey Risk Solutions about synthetic IP-based fraud. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. You spoke today at the uh, Fraud Summit in Chicago about synthetic ID and, and the challenges that it poses. For, so for starters, let's, let's define that term briefly. Uh, in, in defining what it is, it helps to understand what it is not. And we have this general catch-all term of identity theft, um, which in itself, I think, is misleading because identity theft um, means one thing to the general public and a lot of things fall into that bucket. As a risk manager, identity theft to me means impersonation. Someone actually pretends to be you and uses all your identifying attributes, where you live, who you are, your social, and so on. And a synthetic identity differs in that there is ordinarily no carbon-based life form behind this identity. It is, if you like, an avatar made up of data figments that reside in the, in the books and records of institutions and organizations uh, that have been created through manipulation. So a criminal syndicate will create these identities and will act as sort of orchestra leaders uh, operating the marionettes where there will be, in in one very celebrated case in New York and New Jersey uh, a year or so ago, some 30-odd criminals running well in excess of 7,000 identities, none of whom actually existed as carbon-based life forms. They were not representing real people. There was no person behind them. There was no person in real life. And yet they had, through manipulation of the credit granting process and the credit infrastructure, had established credit scores, had theoretically borrowed and repaid loans, had updated bureaus and things of this nature that all add to this creation of a series of figments that in total represent an identity. And they're grabbing this information to create the synthetic ID from multiple different sources? The vast majority of the information is simply made up. One particular group favored using um, Hispanic and Latino names associated with uh, social security numbers that may be of a real person, but their real person is usually somebody well beyond below credit age, you know, minors, who are going to be coming up for credit years and years and years later, and that's the only piece of information about these identities that's true. And that's not identity theft as we typically think about it, because nothing else about them is true. They're not representing to be that person. So, you know, if it's Caroline Smith with social security number one, two, three, that's not who they're pretending to be. They just use one, two, three, and everything else might be um, Sancho Gonzalez, um, age 35, living in Pasadena, when the owner of that social could be on the other side of the country. So synthetic ID can be used to support many different kinds of fraud, right? That's correct. And it will run the gamut from people who are doing extremely bad things for very bad purposes, the kind of people that Homeland Security would be interested in, who are forwarding money to very undesirable places. And that would fall into the realm of anti-money laundering, organized crime, and 
and other, other things. The other end of the gamut is people who have got bad credit and by masquerading as somebody else, they can get access to credit and can buy. And then there is another community that are using these created identities in order to get access to credit because they are undocumented, for example. And, and they fall in this little bit of a no-man's land because those people are generally not trying to rip anybody off and they have no intention of defrauding anyone, but they are nevertheless in the system but represented by an avatar that doesn't really relate to a real person and doesn't relate to them, the carbon-based life form. How might it be used for healthcare fraud? So if I take your social security number and nothing else about you and create an identity and I go and get, um, I register for, for, for medical help through Medicare, um, Medicare tends to key off the social security number and this is when it would come back to you and the fraud, one of the many manifestations of the fraud, this could actually become quite dangerous. If you are allergic to a particular treatment, that could kill you or do you great harm. And the other person using that one true figment of, of information, that you're social, gets treatment, gets an antibiotic, and then later looks good, you're going for treatment, and Hmm. He, has a he has a record of antibiotics, he's good to go. They give you an antibiotic and it does you great harm. There are many other manifestations, there are many other frauds, but that's one example where it goes well beyond financial and into life-threatening. I know this is a big question, but what are some of the key steps to take to detect this very specific type of uh, fraud? I think it starts fundamentally with properly defining the risk you're trying to control. Um, one of my mentors in the earliest days of my career as a risk manager said, what you call it determines how you fix it. And I am rabid about definitions. And just as I think we shouldn't call identity theft identity theft, we should call it as risk managers. What the public calls it really doesn't matter. But what a risk manager calls it, the risk you're trying to manage is impersonation. The same goes for synthetic identity. It is a first-party fraud, the person who applied for the product did apply, they're just not who they say they are, and, and in many cases they don't exist. We probably need to address this on an infrastructure scale because synthetic identities, by their very nature, are hiding in plain sight, they're all around us, and they mimic the behaviours of normal people. And therefore, those behaviors are hard to discriminate from the general population. So that's how they, you know, in, in essence, that's how they get enrolled into things in the first place. With that, we need to think about how do we enroll people and how do we validate people across the credit granting infrastructure? Because that enabler of hiding in plain sight is the credit, the credit infrastructure. People are using that against us to create bogus behaviors with bogus identities and establishing good behavior. So for example, I open up a merchant that, that is colluding with the syndicate or maybe being absolutely operated by the syndicate and grants store credit. No goods change hands, no loan is repaid, but a paper loan is created that shows it was borrowed and repaid and 
updated through EOSCA to the bureaus. That now represents a good transaction. And this becomes part of the many consistency measures that are built up to garnish this identity with the behaviors of normal people. Armed with that, I can now transact freely because that identity eventually becomes established across our credit infrastructure. And then beyond that, identity scores are further weighted by the more and more accounts that are opened with the more and more financial institutions, and that identity score just gets stronger and stronger and stronger, all the while for someone who doesn't exist. In the meantime, what can an individual bank do to fight synthetic ID? I think banks should lobby for the data aggregators to help them, in particular, do more verification of customers that they're attempting to onboard and not simply rely on the inference of consistency of information about that person. And this is particularly problematic in the online account opening space where you don't see the customer so that you rely heavily on this inferred system of identity that dominates financial services today and, and other activities in commerce. So they really need help with it. It's hard to tackle on your own. I think they do need help with it. It is crucial that we fix the credit infrastructure that is being exploited and make the new account screening and onboarding processes more robust and less reliant on inferred or consistent data rather than validated facts. Well, thanks for joining us today, Richard. It's my pleasure. We've been talking to Richard Perry of Turnkey Risk Solutions for Information Security Media Group. I'm Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.